everybody, and welcome back to the Healing Circle podcast, a podcast that makes space for conversation, meditation, and education about all things faith, relationships, and mental health. I'm your host, Kobe Campbell, and today we have a really awesome interview with our guest, Nana Mensa. Nana is a co-host on the podcast Afropolitan Central, and she's just all around an amazing human being and fellow African living in the diaspora. If you want to join our conversation about mental health and what it means to be African, then stay tuned and let's jump right into this interview. Uh, welcome to the Healing Circle podcast. We're so glad to have you with us. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was so gassed when you were like, absolutely. I love this podcast. I love everything that you're doing with it. You know, I love everything about the Healing Circle because I think it's um, it's very needed. Um, and so, yeah, I'm more, very, very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Nana, as I do with all of my guests, I would love for you to introduce yourself to um, all of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> the name is Nana, Nana Mensa. Well, the name is actually Nana Bnapukia Mensa. Okay, uh, go yeah. there. <laughs> I'm gonna hit people with the full name. Um, mm-hmm. Funny enough, I was just in Ghana and I um, wrote my name down and I just said Nana Mensa. My dad was like, hey, where's the rest of the name? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, look, that's not what we call you. That's not what we call you. But, you know, these Western Western lives. But, yeah, so, Nana, um, I am from Ghana. Um, I um, grew up in Ghana, went to the U.S. on my undergrad, and then worked for about two years in small business banking um, in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where I met Kobe. Thank the Lord, Kobe and Nadua. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, in 2016, I moved here to London, um, uh, did my master's in management, and then I currently work now as a financial services consultant at um, a big four firm. So that's me. And of course, I'm the co-host of Afropolitan Central. Yes. Uh, yeah, my little baby. And we've had um, Kabe on for um, a mental health episode, which was an amazing one. Um, essentially, Afropolitan Central is just um, a space for fresh and exciting discussions about the African continent and diaspora. So that's pretty much me. And like I said, I'm excited to be here. Yes. So let me tell you about my love for Nana. So when I decided to go to seminary for grad school, a private seminary at that, my parents were like not very excited. (laughs) And I was at this weird gap space between like graduating undergrad and then starting my program. And I had nowhere to stay. And your girl was not going to live under my parents' roof (laughs) because if I lived under the roofs, I would have to deal with their rules. And I wasn't ready for that. Nana, was kind enough to let me stay at her apartment I I think we I stayed there for like a month and a half almost two months and she like just shared every part of her life with us it was I just remember us staying up and like having these deep conversations (laughs) like it was like a really prolonged sleepover but um <laughs> Nana has been such an awesome friend to me and I love her dearly mostly because she just is who she is and I love that about her and I love the way that she is a go-getter and and all of that but um a lot of the reason why I want to have her on this show is because I just feel like mental health isn't really discussed <laughs> in the African community you know what I'm saying yeah. it's it uh, rather it's discussed but not positively 
right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I've been, obviously, since you asked me, because I think if, if I may confess, um, when Kobe um, asked me to come on, the initial thing was like, woohoo, excitement. And then the second one, thing was like whoa wait a minute do I have anything insightful to even share Um, yay thank you but I think you know nevertheless I think this is something that I personally think it's really important because like Kube is saying um, I think mental health is something that like you know we've we we have or we've had an interesting relationship with in you know Mm. the African community you know however you want to call that um because you know growing up I didn't grow up like oh my gosh girl let's take care of your emotional well-being and let's <laughs> have this effect. <laughs> I wish truly truly you know, that's, yeah that's not a thing and the only time that I really um heard or came into contact with mental stuff was um you know somebody having a mental illness you know, mm. and it could be as extreme as seeing somebody in the street that literally has gone mad and, you know, um, is, 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 is on the streets or yeah. maybe hearing, yeah, hearing of a family member who, let's say, you know, has had something. And that's also the thing that I wouldn't, you know, back then, I wouldn't even know what it was. Like, it, did this person have depression? Does this person have bipolar? Does this person have what? Like, I don't know. Mm. I, it's just like the broad oh, he's mentally ill, or, oh, wait, do I have mental, or, you know, or something like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, a very mysterious, kind of not really discussed or not really, it wasn't really something that we interacted with a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, and I and I feel like it wasn't um, explicitly interacted with because mm-hmm. you could tell when your parents were just irritated for no reason or like when they were you know what I'm saying it's like why are you sitting on the couch because the couch needs to be set on you know like you can tell when your parents are like going through something and like I know with me my sister was just like oh it's it's one of those days you know and so it was weird because even culturally like we could tell when like I'm not saying that like anyone who had a bad day, had mental health issues, yeah. but you could tell, you know, when there was something recurring yeah. and like, I think what really drew me to like, even do psychology as an undergrad was being able to develop language for that. Mm. Like, oh my gosh, mm. this is that's this person in my life. That's this person mm. in my life. Oh, so that's why they respond that way. Um, what was it like for you growing up as a kid um, and how did you feel like you had to deal with your mental health, whether that was in a positive way or a negative way? Yeah, um, I think, um, I don't know, like, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, um, since you asked um, me to come on. So I think for me, I grew up in an interesting way in the sense that, like, my parents um, weren't together Um And Mm -hmm. so my dad had, you know, freshly remarried, freshly, whatever that um, is relative to. And then um, I think around when I was six or seven, my mom moved to the UK. So I um, probably from that age up until I was like 15 or so, um, Mm -hmm. my grandma brought me up. Mm -hmm. So my grandma, I think probably... um, I guess pampered me or whatever but it was like a very tender um upbringing um mm. 
like you know we joke around all the time where she's like oh my precious granddaughter or whatever um but with her she was somebody that was you know quite educated and was like the um quite accomplished in her field as a nurse etc so she I, I guess I'm trying to say for her, she tried to make me um, as emotionally intelligent as she could. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just kind of, um, I don't know, just going through life or just going through the right emotions. Yeah. yeah. She tried to make me as intentionally, um, emotionally intelligent as she, as she probably could. But obviously, you know, I, I wasn't growing up in a vacuum. I grew up in a cultural context. So, of course, there are certain things that I could discuss with her and certain things that I didn't or certain things that, you know, even for her with all her enlightenment or all her liberties would still be like, girl, cow, like, go find somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Get, get on my nerves with that nonsense. Um, <laughs> and yeah. so I think you know I, that's that's kind of how it was where you know I had her to confide in and to be able to um you know speak with and you know if I felt like angry or whatever um I, I kind of had her um but mm. but it wasn't to the extent that it And so I think about things like, um, you know, w- with me having like a blended family, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. but at one point in time, um, I think when my mom was like getting remarried or or something of the sort, I remember telling my grandma, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if it was when she was getting remarried or when my little sister was born, something, but something big life changing was happening. And mm-hmm. so my grandma was like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like kind of really left out and, you know, of course, like maybe in the in 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 an ideal situation, she'd have been like, "Oh, you know, let's sit down," and it would have been a prolonged kind of like, "Let's discuss," mm. you know, and it would have been an ongoing check in. But in her own way, she was like, "Oh my goodness, do not ever feel that way." Like X Y Z X Y Z X Y Z is a reason why you shouldn't, and that was kind of that. So that's why I say to mm. an like I had her to be able to in those moments give me something it obviously could have been more so I I, I think that's that, that's kind of like my exposure to it and I think a lot of times too um she be she could be quite clinical in a sense like because you know ex, the, let's say this person would behave in a particular way and she'd be like hmm blah 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 is manifesting like with her <laughs> terms yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah and so there are like certain things that I'll tell my friends about and they're like what is this like nobody has heard of this so I was like oh yeah my grandma told me <laughs> um, my grandma's a nurse let me tell you I can diagnose you yeah absolutely and so I think that's how it was for me in the sense that like I had some um some level of that um, but obviously it could have been more because I, I remember, for instance, when I was like a teenager um, and had my first boyfriend um, and I know, oh gosh, it was such a mistake. <laughs> Wait, was this in Ghana? Yeah, um, I know. Because, girl, I know. Because it, um, it was middle school, so it yeah. was but I went to an all-girls Catholic school, so that was the end of all of that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
there were no more boys but I remember like feeling really pressured because he was like you know you're my girlfriend not my regular friend I want us to do things and I remember being like I don't want to and I remember feeling so conflicted and so emotionally like stressed out whatever and really wanting somebody to talk to about it not just my friends um and obviously like that wasn't something that felt comfortable talking to my grandma look I was just waiting for you to say (laughs) and then I went to my grandma because look I was gonna go make some popcorn real quick it's like girl nah <laughs> she was liberal but this is still Ghana okay this is yeah still, this is still the the cultural context within which we live nah Mm-mm. so in moments like that I was like man I wish I wish we could have had like more coming of age talks and this and that but yeah. um to an extent like I had it but to an extent I didn't because just to even give you an example for instance and whenever I'm droning on too long please stop me no do you think girl yeah I remember um one time because my mom was away um obviously living here and so I remember one time she called and I don't know what I said to her and just like hmm make sure you don't get pregnant <laughs> and I remember my grandma was like what sort of nonsense is that why would you tell her that like blah blah blah, mm. blah. I like blasted her so you know I think about the the, the fact that like with my mom it probably would have been like hmm like not much would have been talked about so my yeah. grandma was that median middle ground of yeah. having some stuff like yeah discussed and um having a space for some emotional um well-being development and whatnot but- yeah it's so funny you said that because regularly I remember just like you know I really feel like the la- the first time my mom said it was like when I was in the sixth grade and she never talked we never had like the sex talk we never had the relationship talk it was mommy I need to talk to you are you pregnant no (laughs) can I go to the dance though no (laughs) okay well (laughs) back to my room I go (laughs) right but you know something that you said is I think that that was something I need to come to terms with in regards to you saying that you got you got things that you that were valuable to you, but you didn't necessarily get all of the things that you needed and you could have gotten more. And I think that, to be honest, I just feel like a lot of our culture can turn into just avoidance Mm -hmm. of like, we don't want to talk about the hard things. And I think that sometimes our parents forget context and not even our parents, just people in our culture forget context. You know, like I remember learning one of my classes, um, sitting there and learning about adolescence and like the like the physical change hormonally that's going on in adolescence and how it relates to like the social changes that are going on um and how you know a kid's being able to develop like true autonomy true social autonomy um you know in middle school and in high school and how like that is like very similar to the trauma of like the transition of getting married or the transition of having a kid because this context you've grown up in like all your life has been reliance right like I'm gonna I need to call mommy and daddy mom and daddy will be there for me and then you get thrown into this world where you are at school I mean I remember being away from home so like I would go to school and then have track practice and then sometimes have AAU track practice and wouldn't get home till 6.30. And of that day, I would interact with my parents maybe an hour, you know? And so like, I was just being inundated with all of these different thoughts and ideas and and values. Mm-hmm. And I think that my parents just like forgot that 
And also the context is very different because in Ghana, it's a little more strict, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like this context of like, I was like, honestly, really struggling with my mental health and not like, oh my gosh, I was going to take my life. But I feel like it was very much like, who am I? What is this? My parents just said, go to school and make good grades and come back. But like, there's so much more. There's parties and there's friends and there's cliques. And, you know, there, it was just kind of like stepping into like an episode of Black Mirror, but mm-hmm. for middle school and high school. Yeah, I think it's, you know, here in the kind of scientific or, yeah, I guess scientific um, kind of stuff um, that happens, um, you know, at this stage of life that you've just described I'm like wow that's that's that puts it really into perspective doesn't it there's so much turmoil that we feel internally like Mm -hmm. growing up in Ghana like peer pressure is not a strange word like it's not a strange really at all because we talk about it all the time don't get peer pressured into smoking no don't get peer pressured into (laughs) this don't get peer pressured into that Look, my parents lied to me about Ghana. In Ghana, people are they're going to school, they're getting good grades, they come home, they cook, they clean, the parents they sit down. You you're here in America, you have all this opportunity, and you want to just sit here and watch TV. And it was just like, uh what am I supposed like, you know? And I mean, honestly, you and my cousin Mensima, shout out to you, Mensima, have given me new perspective. They're like, no, things go down again. Don't let your parents fool you. Because, like, that's always the thing that they tell you guys, isn't it? Like, mm, if you misbehave, I'm going to send you back. Blah, Look, blah. now I'm like, send me. You're going to pay for my ticket. <laughs> pay for my ticket. I'll gladly go. Yes. <laughs> the year of the return, eh? Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, I think um, that, 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 that critical stage is something that... I don't want to speak for every single family in Ghana. I don't want to speak... Yeah everybody but you know I can speak from my experience and you know I I always say that I wish it was something that um had been actively acknowledged um Mm -hmm. had actively you know I understand this is what you're going through or if you aren't going through it now you know beware Mm. this is what's gonna happen and particularly for us too because we go to boarding school or I went to boarding school and I went to boarding school when I was like 11 or 12 Mm. so away like yeah being away from my family at that point in time and going to school which at the time it was like an international school um which in Ghana just means uh, a lot of times like you know people from more different backgrounds so sometimes you have you know lots of really rich kids or whatever and people that are been exposed to all kinds of different like cultures and whatnot mm-hmm. um, and so it, it ended up being like an environment where it was a bit more like you know a bit more pressure than I was used to because I was coming from a smaller city going to the school now that had people from you know Accra the capital people mm-hmm. that abroad people that have done this have done that and it was almost like a constant kind of ooh show us what you got like were you bringing new who you dating who's in like it was just a lot of things like of obviously also combined with teenage years because it was a middle school as well as a high school so it was mm. a lot going on in that period and yeah. I a lot of hormones in one place right that's a lot <laughs> it was like a uh, it was mixed so boys girls everybody um and I wish um I wish so desperately like during those times that I'd had somebody to talk to um mm. I remember 
um, some girl, I still think about this when I get so mad because I remember some girl um, kind of some sort of drama, silly situation, whatever, but she was pressing me for information and I was just kind of like, oh, I don't want to tell you because that would betray X, Y, Z. And she was like, hmm, I feel like you have really changed. You know, you're another person you used to be. You know, you don't stand for anything, blah, blah, blah. And I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, is that true? Have I really like... Mm. you know, crazy, vapid person that's forgotten her morals and her stuff. And for me as well, too, it was a time where, you know, I kind of really had my first relationship with God, like really, really, truly for myself outside of regularly going to church. But then, you mean being dragged into church? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. to church, like voluntarily doing it, but also um, it coming with so much pressure from the group that I was in that I ended up mm. leaving that as well. And so it was just mm. going on, you yeah. know, really would have wanted to one, be able to recognize that, you know, I'm just going through a lot. It, th- this is just an age where you will go through these things. So you're not alone, you know, yeah. you're not alone um, and having some guidance from somebody or just, you know, being able to have a health, a healthy way to deal with it instead of like, internalizing all that from like the spiritual level to the emotional mm. of let's go do stuff and I don't want to do stuff so I'm breaking up with you like it's just yeah <laughs> a lot yeah. um so yeah and yeah. such a time when you're trying to develop your identity too and everything is so crucial like everything is so crucial how do people perceive me yeah. um, you know am I cool enough but also um sincere my it was just yeah it's a lot and um we don't even have sex ed classes you know so that's not even actually is that a is that true yeah I don't think we do I hope I'm not lying (laughs) oh I think we have like life we have life friends I don't know but I don't remember so you didn't get the sex talk either is what you're saying no oh my parents never Never. They just expected me to get married and somehow know how to make a child. So <laughs> it worked. Yeah, the, thing, the thing for us is it's go to school, go to school, go to school. And then it's like, hey, where's your husband? Why are the kids? It's mm-hmm. like, excuse me? <laughs> and they try to make it seem like there's something wrong with you. Mm. Like, you don't have a boyfriend. Uh, no. Didn't I you know. say I can't have boyfriends? Right? Like, and that's also another thing. Like, I feel like we, we don't really address, like, dating and boys and things of the opposite mm. sex in a healthy way. And that affects our mental health yeah. vastly. Because yeah. then we approach it from, like, either a place of fear or a place of shame or mm. a place of, like, covertness. But it's, like, yeah, it put it in the open with us. Like, I don't know. I feel like it would be a much better, like, would have a much better relationship and attitude to what's like how we perceive the opposite sex and our relationships and whatnot. Yes, 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 yeah. I think Wale was on um, Red Table Talk um, relatively recently, and he talked about how he saw his parents' like relationship be transactional. And you know, because I've been like in America and like inundated and in, like American culture. I kind of felt like, oh, I don't, I don't feel that way, or that's not true to my marriage, or that's not true to my relationship. But I realized the like 
in some ways it was. Now, my parents were affectionate towards each other, but I never saw them be regularly affectionate to each other. Mm. You know, it was always like a special occasion, like my dad's leaving and then mom and dad kiss and it's like, ugh. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, and and like for me, I I didn't realize how much I absorbed from my parents, but also I didn't realize on the other hand, like going back to like teenage years and dating I didn't realize until I got into my own therapy that it was like oh you started like liking boys and dating and seeking like romantic validation pretty early you know mm-hmm. and it was just like and I think my parents kind of knew that but I, I, they never asked why you know mm-hmm. and granted I don't feel like they had the language mm-hmm. you know they had four kids in a new country and you know both of them were in school and and Mm. they had a lot going on so not to you know say like oh they they failed or something Mm -hmm. but like for me I know that I have an eye out not for everything but for certain things for Levi and for our future children to be able to say like like I'm not just gonna say stop doing that I'm gonna say why are you doing that you know I'm gonna start asking those questions because like for me you know especially in and I'll say this for myself like similarly to when you said you didn't want to speak for every family Mm -hmm. I felt like it was really common to only get validation when I did something good when Mm -hmm. I got a good grade when I won a race when I did something good then it was validation and like at a very young age that instilled in me that I have to earn love I have to earn affection I have to work for it you know and that to be honest that's a lot of what I'm unlearning in my marriage is like mm-hmm. Kyle just loves me. And I also realizing that like my attachment to my parents is also a reflection of my attachment to God and realizing like that's how I feel with God too. Mm-hmm. Like don't just be out here blessing me if I ain't work for it, Jesus. That's too much. Back up. <laughs> you know? And just having these moments where God just like says, like, here, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna give you joy. I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna give you that. And and just not even knowing how to respond and being mm-hmm. like, but mm-hmm. it didn't earn it, God. And mm-hmm. same with my marriage, just being like, why oh, are you so good to me? I didn't earn it. And just having to like work twice as hard to unlearn those things mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and having to, and unlearning that also learning that my parents only relayed to me what was, what was offered to them. Yes. And I think that that's a lot of like, people are like, Africans work so hard. And it's like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Behind that is a lot of trauma. Usually not always, but Mm. truly, you know, behind that is a lot of like psychosocial isolation. Mm. And it's like, we love to like flaunt that, like we're the doctors and we're the lawyers and we're the professors and this and that. And we love that. But like, we don't address the costs of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I think every African, um, you know, regardless, Western, Northern, whatever, will tell you um, a story about their parents at some point in time telling them that I had to walk 10 miles to school with no slippers and climb a mountain and whatever, but I was first. (laughs) And I still graduated first of my class six years in a row. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And here you are, you can't even do X, Y, Z. But I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, that's something that completely resonates with me. One, in terms of a lot of things being transactional um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of things being very, like, 
obviously I, I I don't want to I don't want to malign you know anybody or or say oh people did it with bad intentions but things becoming very um very critical who um intentionally or unintentionally like you know I can point for instance to my dad where for him um particularly in my teenage years where um whenever like something came up so you know either somebody and it was always somebody has told him something or something I can't stay I will never (laughs) ever forget going downtown we're in high school we went downtown with our friend and we were with her mom but her mom stepped out for a second and this other Ganyan family saw us and they called my dad Dada Kwa you know your daughter's out here in short clothes downtown And and we were like and my parents call us pissed and they're like where are you and we're like we're with Lauren <laughs> and they're like no you're not I saw someone in the... and they told me about and it's like what whoa whoa look African people love to relay information they really do but you go ahead sorry I had to get that off my chest oh girl with the quickness and the sad <laughs> thing <laughs> the sad thing about it at least in my case is that it never was like okay come and give us your side of the story then and Look. Like, truth is. It was like someone mm. told me this. It must be true. How dare yes, you? Just yes. <laughs> rain down everything I knew. Um, and I remember there was a period with my dad where like that was and once again, I think I I think I had just graduated high school mm. and was waiting to go to university. And it was just like a lot of things where I think he was obviously very conscious of the fact that my daughter's changing. Um, you know, she's no longer a child, she's a woman or whatever. But I think I mean I mean I, I'm still trying to understand it, but it just there wasn't much trust there. And so, you know, I can point to a scenario, for instance, where I was attending a, a class, like an SAT class, as I was gonna say the SATs, mm-hmm. um, and I was walking with a guy, and bear in mind this guy wasn't even a guy that I fancied, you know, if I'd gone into all that trouble because, you know, it was my little boyfriend or whatever, different case. This is a guy that, like, I went to third grade with and um, he was also attending the class and he literally, as chance would have it, um, only walked with me that day because he's going to go visit a friend. As we're walking, guess whose dad drives past oh, us? Lord in heaven. Was- Right, me with my innocent self just wave on to my dad like, "Hey, dad, what's going on?" And he just gave me this stare, just looked at me straight, and then looked away. And I was like, "Oh, lordy, I'm in trouble." Um, yep, you already know what's gonna happen when you walk through that door. Okay, like the repercussions of that lasted for so long. Wow, and this was a situation where like. My side of the story was never asked. I tried to give them my side of the story, but I think it just fell on deaf ears because their minds were made up. Mm. And it was just, for me as well, like I was also really hurt because I was like, I don't understand why you won't trust me as your child. Yeah. And then that, yeah, that compounded with also another situation where like, you know, somebody else said so-and-so and my dad was just like, hmm, so this is the kind of person that you are blah 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 I'm not sending America to go waste my money like just all kinds of things that just escalated and mm. it caused me a lot of emotional anxiety and pain and what mm. 
being like just so unhappy and so sad during those days because I felt so misunderstood and I just felt like why aren't you giving me a fair chance like why aren't you wanting to sit down with me and process and I'll actually give you an example of I think things had come to a head at that time because um, that's when my dad was like oh I don't think I'm sending you to America for school anymore and he called me one time to have a talk by the way these talks were always one way it was just you sitting yeah. down being lectured and then being told to go <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And so then that one time I was like, you know what? I'm going to say my piece now. So it was like, okay, blah, 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 blah. I think you should trust me more. You see what time that I'm not the kind of person you're trying to make me out to be. Blah, 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 blah. Kabe, I should have known that things were not going well from how quiet Mm. this man was. When I tell you. When I tell you, he was crying long tears in the hot sun the next day. (laughs) (laughs) It did not go well. Oh, no. All these things where you're just like, because for for him, it was always like, because if I go back, I feel like I've just gone on a long tangent, but if I go back to the point we're talking about, yeah just things feeling more and more transactional because it was very much like this is my good daughter she does xyz the moment she goes up the path that i'm not happy with there's no conversation to be had there's no let me try and understand you know where your head is at like why are you you know behaving this way or whatever it was just oh my god i'm so mad you're off to the bad side now Mm, yeah and yeah that was that was something else because once again with my grandma for instance it wasn't that way like even if she was pissed at me um you know it would pass but my dad is like for instance I I mean I guess to to an extent I I am quite like him where like we remember everything Mm. there's no (laughs) no forgetting there's no forgetting anything and I think that's something that just I don't think it bodes well for our relationships with our parents. And then those become mm. habits that we then take um, on. Because I remember in college, one of my really good friends um, at the time, um, I remember we kind of like were arguing and kind of had a really mini fallout. Um, and I remember, you know, I told her a lot about my childhood and growing up in Exeter. And I remember at some point she told me, she was like, no, no, like you, um, you know, I I forget exactly what she said. But basically she was kind of like, you know, we have to, you, you kind of operate from a place where we we have to earn your trust over and over and over and over and over again. Like Mm -hmm. it worked that way because, you know, she was basically saying that like when we would fall out, then um, I was just like, oh, I'm done. And the person has to prove themselves to me all over again. And then I'll let them in. And then as soon as it... it, And it's like, healthy relationships don't work that way. Yeah. Yeah, that for me was like a good, like, oh, wow. I'm becoming bad. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say a reminder that even when we're hurt by something, we can still absorb it and Mm -hmm. end up giving it out to the world. And it sounded a lot like there are things that you, like, questioned about your identity and about yourself in the process of growing up um, with your dad and just being in boarding school, what do you feel like is the primary thing that you've had to unlearn about yourself in adulthood? Hmm. 
ways that these questions are gonna hit me you weren't joking were you <laughs> well I'll give you my example first that okay, gives you yeah, time yeah. to muse over it so yeah. I growing up I was always an emotional kid always mm-hmm. and my especially in my family, how emotional I was always negated what I was trying to communicate because they like, you know, it was crocodile tears. It was, you're such a baby. It was such, you know, you're so emotional. And, and I became so ashamed of being an emotional person. Mm. You know, I became so ashamed of it. And then like, it was weird because I tried to harden my heart and it just, wasn't good you know like I just felt like I was like a shell of a human yeah it wasn't me and like I had to like kind of embrace being as an adult I'm still doing it still learning how to embrace being emotional and valid because a lot of people don't know how to conceptualize those two together because being finger quotations emotional means being weak and it's like wait God is the one who integrated our emotional our emotions into everyday life you literally cannot separate your emotions from the human experience Mm -hmm. so if you are trying to throw out what it means to feel emotion deeply you're also trying to throw out god's design Mm -hmm. you know and so for me i had to and still have to remind myself look if i cry in front of people i'm gonna do it proudly Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. like i i have the opportunity to impact people and if i try to be someone i'm not i'm not going to impact them in a way that God designed me to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's also something that I got um from listening to you on the empath episode, mm-hmm. you know, just talking about kind of coming to terms with the fullness of who you are and just growing in that and having pride in that and like recognizing that that's where some of your strengths come from, you know, mm-hmm. previously may have been perceived as nah. Yeah, like, what's wrong with her? Why are you always crying? Because I feel things deeply and I don't shut my heart off. Sorry. Mm. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not quite sure how to put this succinctly, but I think it's very much what I was describing just before you asked me that question. That whole thing about, you know, kind of almost being a bit black and white about things in the sense Mm. that, um I'm the kind of person that I think sometimes like I'm trying I'm trying to say I'm trying to figure out how I can kind of explain this but just constantly kind of struggling with um I don't I don't want to say I don't know if it's acceptance or I think it's it's very much the the issue of have I done something to deserve this? Like some mm-hmm. this thing that I'm having, and if I haven't, like why do I have it? Or mm-hmm. in my relationships, that becoming, you know, this person is such a great friend. Why? Well, they affirm me in all the exciting ways or whatever. And if things like go a bit left, like I guess it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to just reconcile that. And I think mm. it was like when I grew up with my dad, like, oh, I guess how I grew up in that household, things were very black and white. Everything mm. was good until it wasn't or, you know, everything was bad and then it was good. Like, so it was always like living in those extremes. I mm. think it makes you, 
I don't know. I'm I'm not quite sure how to how to explain it, but it makes you very. Oh, I don't want to say emotionally unstable because I think that's way too much. But it's just for me, it's been a it's been a a a thing where I have to constantly kind of remind myself that like we don't live life in extremes. So mm, yeah, yeah. Like for instance, if X Y Z goes wrong it's not a complete reflection like it's not, it's not like oh my gosh Anna like you know you've absolutely failed at this thing and so that's why that's gone wrong that mm-hmm. thing's just gone wrong it doesn't have to be yeah. t- so in like tightly to my self-worth and who I yeah, am your identity yeah my identity and all these different things because I think I don't know for whatever reason that's that's just how I feel like I've become or mm. how I, I I became or how I like formed and so that's something that I'm constantly having to having to figure out like also with friendships for instance because recently I went through that a lot where you know I had a friend in my life where I felt like I went from one extreme to the other with her like when times were great they were great and then suddenly like you know she would do something or whatever would happen and I'm like oh my gosh it's almost like I could have found <laughs> the gray areas and yeah. well you're you're there. trying to conceptualize something that you don't have a template for I don't and 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 I always used to say um I don't know when I used to say this maybe in college or whatever that I compress I come I compartmentalize things a lot so if it doesn't fit into any of my neat boxes, I'm like, so what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with this, <laughs> literally. Um, so I think it's it's I think it's it's just that whatever that is that continues on a continued on a personal level. Me making sure that things aren't so deep and so tied to who I am, so that I question myself at every turn and you know interpret people's um, reactions or people's actions too deeply. And then yeah. from a relationship standpoint, realize that there's great areas and things. It's not just X, Y, Z said this. And so, yeah. oh my gosh, I have to toss them out. <laughs> so I can <laughs> areas to life. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. I think it's something. No, yeah, it does. Uh, I think it's something that I'm always trying to understand. So I don't think I still have the words to explain it in a succinct way. But yeah, that's. No, that's, yeah. I, I I think I'm, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. If you could give two pieces of advice to um, another fellow African in the diaspora who's trying to deal with their mental health, what would they be? Um, I think, you know, the concept of safe spaces, you know, sometimes can just be like, well, safe spaces, whatever. Like, what is this thing? But I think for me, because uh, <laughs> um, it can feel like such a cliche and such a a, a buzzword sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's really important to have that one person or one thing that's able to reorient you and able to mm. just help give you perspective and insight and just help you through you know, help you process whatever it is. Um, Because I know that for me, growing up, that's something that was um, 
you know, particularly when I became a teenager, because that's when, like, I couldn't really talk to my grandma about those things. That was when I really would have wanted or needed um, somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're able to, um, you know, have a friend that you really trust or have an aunt or a cousin or, you know, somebody maybe that's not immediate family that you still value and who is maybe relatively close in age and so can has the context and it's not like a big generational gap to be like ah this is some nonsense or yeah yeah like you know to be able to say yeah what you're going through matters and you know this is how I've dealt with it or you know can even just commiserate with you or laugh with you through it I think that can be really helpful because I think sometimes it can feel so isolating when you feel like there's literally nobody who understands me because mm. the friends around you may not be going through the same things or yeah. are being judgy or you know wh- whatever it may be so I feel like that's the first thing and I feel like the second thing I think will always have to lie within us in terms of us finding that one thing that we can do that helps ground us or help to reflect or just help helps like helps I think helps center is the word that I would I would um I'd use I think uh, recently on your Instagram you had um something where you were like you know if you're not being still like you're not growing or I don't know something something of that sort um mm-hmm. I forget what it was exactly but I think about it all the time um I was like ah truth just <laughs> <to> be bald <laughs> but I think um for me for instance I found that like when I like say things out loud like almost like have a conversation with myself or yeah. write things down that's like very therapeutic for me yeah um, yeah for instance like um I've been you know at work for instance we have to submit a decision for like what team we want to promote into and whatnot I've been really stressed out about it and you know I've been praying whatever and I think probably I finally got some clarity yesterday when I was just like okay let me just be in this quiet place and Mm -hmm. just talk out loud about this issue like what is it that's stressing me out? What is yeah. it like and really got to the crux of it? And what I realized, I can't remember if it was yesterday or this morning, what I realized finally I was like, you know, the people pleasing elements is a big is a big part of what's also stressing me out. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. though one decision that I wanted to make, but I don't want to disappoint people. So it's causing yeah. So I think just finding that one way that you yourself you know, can ground yourself. I mean, so for some people, it's uh, well. I was going to give an example for it. I don't have an example, but it can be lots of things with different people. Yeah, but just being true to yourself. Because for me, for instance, when I see Instagram memes about people taking baths or whatever, I think a bath is really nice and whatnot. But I don't think it does that much for me. Look, think- and I don't even feel like it actually gets you clean because now you're just floating in your dirty water. But that's for another day. That's Someone right. needs to hear that. Someone needs to hear that. So, yeah, I think just being true to yourself to just find what works for you. Like, what is mm. that thing that helps? Yeah. And then, of course, being able to have that outside perspective as well because sometimes that's really what you need. And yeah. you know, 
for me, I think I said this in our episode, I think when I was introducing you, but that's something that I'm always really grateful for, um, for your friendship, because mm. obviously be not just because of your expertise, but also because of just who you are as a person, you're always able to bring a lot of insights to things that, you know, I may struggle with, but I don't have the words for, or I can't quite understand, mm. like just that kind of stuff. So having somebody that can pour into you that way can be really helpful as well. Mm, thank you. That was very sweet of you. Well, Nana, thank you so much for taking the time. If you guys don't know, Nana is all the way in London, right? Yay. She's yeah. all the way in London. <laughs> and so she made time with this huge time difference to have this conversation and just share some of her insight and her experiences with you guys. And um, as you guys can see, Nana is a beautiful soul because she's always so willing to be vulnerable. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> so thank, thank you guys. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Thank you for having me once again. Thank you for your patience with our, all our scheduling stuff. And, oh my um, gosh, it was crazy. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. But we got it together and that's got what matters. Together. We got it together. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you once again. And thank yeah, you for your friendship. Yeah, of course. All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Of course, make sure to to rate, review, and subscribe. That helps people find the podcast easier um, and kind of gets the word out. I think a lot of people need to hear some of the stuff that we talk about. So make sure to at very least rate, you know what I'm saying? Throw, (laughs) Throw a couple stars on there. Um, Thank you guys for listening until the circle comes back around. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you guys again for tuning into this episode. I hope that Nana's stories um, and insight helped you or someone else you know who may relate to her context. Um, So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Also, drum roll. I'm not going to do drum roll because it's going to sound horrible in this mic. Um, The Healing Circle is officially hosting a group therapy in Wilmington, North Carolina and surrounding areas for women of color. So if you're a woman of color and you want to join our DBT skills group, if you want to learn how to relate to other people, how to maintain your integrity, how to just function in relationships and develop self-worth, develop some self-esteem and some assertiveness, this group is absolutely for you. Um, It's $20 a week bring your friend. It's going to be hosted at Social Coffee and Supply Co. here in Wilmington. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So yeah, come through. Let's get connected. Let's heal together. um, And let's grow together. Thank you guys again for listening. Make sure to click the link in the show notes. Have a good one.